doing some research this week for this message that I want to share with you. <clears throat> Thank you, Merge students. It's always great to see them um, getting together and, and uh, meeting with Pastor Ben on those weeks where we have Merge. But um, I ran across uh, something from the Rainer Research uh, Foundation that said that in America, overall charitable giving is on the rise. And I was encouraged by that. I was, because for a long time, um, it, it seems that in this country, we have felt that it was the government's responsibility to provide for those uh, that don't have enough. But in America, there seems to be an understanding that it's you and I that have been called to give. And, and so we see that that is a, a, on the rise in America, but yet in the last 30 years, we've seen actually a decrease in the amount of that giving that is directed toward the local church. And I'm not exactly sure what that is, whether it's just the dramatic growth of giving to other, uh, to other nonprofits or not. Um, but they've done some studies in, in this country on on the the giving practices of those that are in the body that are in a local church, and what they they found out is that uh, only about one in five American Christians now this is nationwide give anything at all to what would be considered a charitable organization, and I, that includes churches, that includes other organizations in the community. The Bible talks extensively about the issue of money. Uh, Pastor Greg Laurie uh, shares a, an interesting article that, uh, that he wrote called Money and Motives, where he says that half of Jesus' parables are about money. In fact, 15% of what Jesus talked about was about money. And yet, that is a subject where in the local church, it's, it's really touchy to talk about money. And I've had people before come to me and say, Pastor, what are you speaking on on Sunday? And I said, why? Why do you, you want to know? Because I'm thinking of bringing a friend, and if you're going to talk about money, I won't invite them this Sunday. Okay? Um, so, so it's really touchy. But Jesus talked twice as much about money as he did about heaven and hell combined, okay? That, that just blows you out of the water when you, when you hear that statistic that, that, he, that Jesus preached on twice as much as heaven and hell. I'm thinking, man, obviously we want to hear about heaven and hell, right? We want to know that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We want to we avoid hell, at least I know I do. Uh, my rowdy friends are going to be in heaven. Uh, none of them are, you know, I don't think they're planning on going to hell. Um, but that's incredible to me. And, and we think, well, how much compared to other subjects? How about, how about prayer? Prayer's a great subject, right? Man, Jesus had to talk a lot about prayer. How about faith, okay? The, the subject of faith, so important to us as believers. Jesus spoke four times more than both of those subjects. Four times in his ministry. It's incredible. Well, this is a, a, a church that, and I believe this with my whole heart, that this is a, a place that we can belong as a body of Christ. 
And, and when you come together and you belong as a body of Christ, it's a place that we can not only come together, but we can give together. You say, why is that? And I'll tell you why. It's because as the church, we have something that is in common. We have common vision. We have common mission. We have common purpose as the church. And that will cause us to give together as a natural expression of those shared values. I want to start out today and and talk to you because I realize that talking anything about money, anything about giving, immediately there is a defensiveness that can take place in someone's life emotionally and they can close themselves off. And so already I may have lost a certain percentage of you, but I really want to throw you a curveball starting off, okay? I really do. And the first thing that I want to talk about is giving out of your giftedness, all right? The, the initial struggle that we have when we think about the, uh, the issue of giving to God is a struggle, I believe, for control. We want to know, are we or are we not in control? Is what I possess, is it really mine? And the thing about, about living in this country, and, and man, I, like I said, I, I had such a great time, uh, this week. Uh, uh, our daughter Becca was home for a few days. She brought a friend of hers, uh, a friend of, of Benjamin and Amy's from college came to visit. So we had a full house and we had big meals together and we just had so much fun. And, and I, and I love, I, I, I love the 4th of July in, in our community because people are out okay people are out they're together they're they're just enjoying themselves maybe a little bit too much um, but um, but they're they're enjoying themselves and they're friendly I feel better about my community and my country on the 4th of July than any other time of the year and I love that feeling and so today uh, when we talk about living in America, we talk about the American dream, there are things in that positive feeling that are also lead us really in, a, in an antithesis of what Jesus preached, okay? You see, in America, we believe in this American dream. We believe that, that we are totally self-sufficient people and that it's all up to us and that you go out there and you make what you make and it is yours. You keep what you make and you are in control. When someone is down, what do we, what do they say often about themselves when they turn things around? They say, I reach down and pick myself up by my bootstraps. What they're saying is, it was me. I did it. Therefore, it belongs to me. That is something that, that we can, uh, we can think, you know what, it's, it's, it's something that's preached in our country, but yet it's not necessarily what Christ taught. So therefore, if we give, do we give out of what is mine and no one else's? Do we say, I control it? In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, David acknowledged in his prayer to God, he said, everything comes from you. And when we have given, or, and 
and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Let me read that again. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. David was acknowledging that everything that he had came from God, and as he gave to God, he was only giving God what God had already just given him. What David was saying is that God is his source, the source of everything that he has and everything that he is. Now, I realize that for some in the church today, this may be a very uncomfortable thought, but let me ask you this question. Have you determined that God is the source of everything you have? If not him, then who? Is it from you? Is it from yourself? Does it come as a result of your hard work? And I got to tell you, I love hard work. I love working hard. Hard work is a, is, a, is a value that I have and that we share. Who gave you the ability to work hard? Who gave you the strength to be able to work hard? Who gave you the breath to be able to work hard? The only reason that we're able to give in the first place is the fact that God is our source. And as that source, God has given you and given me, the, as part of the church, certain giftings and certain abilities. Romans chapter 12 The Apostle Paul says it this way, beginning in verse 6. He said, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These giftings are not all of the giftings that God has given to the church, but they certainly represent some. And I want you to notice that he has given those to each of us. There is no one in this place today that is without a gift from God to use in serving other people. Every one of you has that gift. A pastor was preaching a message about uh, the, the parable of the talents. Jesus spoke on the parable of the talents. We have the, the five and the two and the one. And after the service, a woman came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I only have one talent that God has given me. And the pastor was really interested. And so he said, well, what is that talent? She said, it's the gift of criticism. What should I do with my gift? How should I use it for God? And the pastor was very quick on his feet and he said, you need to do exactly what the person did with the one talent in the Bible. You need to go out and bury that thing. God has given giftings to you and I and those giftings, here's how you know if it's a gift from God. Does it build up the church? Does it build up the body of Christ? Literally, the gift that he has given you and I is something that should build up the body of Christ. No one here is without giftings like that. I challenged the worship team this morning. I said, hey, I want you guys to think about this. The the worship ability that God has given you to play an instrument and to lead in worship, it's not the only gift that God has given you. And sometimes people say, well, I can't play the drums or I can't play the keyboard or the guitar. Therefore, I don't have any gifts that God can use. No, absolutely not. There are many gifts that God has given you that you can use and he is ready for you to use within the body of Christ and they will be used 
to build up the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul tells us that Christ himself gave these giftings in order to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what God is interested in doing. He's interested in building up the church. So you've been given specific abilities by Christ to build up the church. And Jesus' ultimate goal is to build his church in order to accomplish his purpose of seeking and saving that which was lost. That is his goal. And he does it through you and I, who are part of the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. And as we encourage one another, as we build one another up, we are are ultimately taking part in fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God because as a built-up and an encouraged body of Christ, we will literally go out and accomplish the purpose that he has for us. Now, if we're not using those abilities to build up the church, I literally believe that God's purpose and plan goes unfulfilled in the body of Christ. And the place where you need to start giving in your life is, is literally, and, and this is giving together, we're giving together. Notice that was the, 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 the title of my message was not, was not giving, it's giving together. The place where we need to start giving together is giving out of the abilities that God has put in our lives. And you say, I'm not sure what it is. Well, you can find that out. Just begin to serve and God will quickly show you where those abilities are. He'll quickly show you where the passions of your heart are and you can begin to use those passions for the glory of God to build and edify the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account of our lives And like the story of the talents, I believe that the question that God will ask us is, what have you done with what I have given you? The the gifts, the abilities, the talents that I have blessed you with, what have you done with those? How have you edified the church? How have you magnified my name with those gifts? And I think it's important for us that as the body of Christ, as the church, that we give together out of those abilities that God has given us. Next is giving out of abundance. Now, there are fallacies in the church today about this idea of giving, and let me address three of them very quickly. The first one is this, that God forces us to give. Now, how is it possible, and this is, this is from my heart, how is it possible for God to force us to give? I literally know of no scripture, I know of no instance where God has forced anyone to give. In fact, God doesn't force us to do anything. In fact, the Bible says that we are free to reject or to accept the very gift of salvation. It's a free gift. We, We don't have to receive it. You can't be forced to accept a gift. Most of us, when someone gives us a gift, we we like to accept gifts, but we're not forced to accept salvation. Many will go to their grave rejecting the free gift of salvation. 
God doesn't force us. And if we've been given the freedom to accept or to reject him, the choice is ours. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Paul says this to the Corinthian church, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't force us to give. He he desires for us to give. He asks us to give, but he does not force us to give. Paul says, give what you've decided. You're not being coerced. When we choose to give to God, God wants us to be able to do so cheerfully. And if you've ever seen anyone who's had to give something under compulsion or coercion, they are not cheerful givers. Your kids are squabbling over a toy. You've got to decide which of the kids gets to have that toy. All right, kid number one, you're going to get that toy for the next 15 minutes. Kid number two, it's the end of the world. Why? He's being forced to give that up. It's mine. I want to play with it. When we are forced to give, we don't, we don't do that cheerfully. In the preceding verses, Paul quotes scriptural principles like sowing sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Sowing generously, we will reap generously. Even the scripture given, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, is a principle of the kingdom of God that was brought by Christ. It's not a formula on how to get something from God. It's a truth that is applied to all who live by it, and that is simply that generosity is returned. It's a simple premise. In fact, it applies to those who are believers and those who are not believers. Generosity, when given, is always returned. It is simply a principle of the kingdom of God. People tend to give to what is important to them because they care about it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God, or giving is not an issue of coercion in our lives. It is an issue of, uh, that is an issue of the heart. If we are able to be generous, it, it doesn't just mean that we're obedient. It says something about our heart. God is not interested in forcing us to give. He is desiring that our heart is in such a position that we are able to give, whether to others or to himself. Fallacy number two, God expects everyone to give the same. In Mark chapter 12, we read a story of Jesus who's in the temple watching people as they're giving. There's people of great wealth that are giving tremendous gifts, but Jesus draws their attention to one widow, and the Bible says that she put simply two copper coins into the temple treasury. And in Mark 12, 43, the second half of the verse, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. This woman had no resource. She was a widow. The very definition of widow is that she was alone. Her resource was gone. In, in biblical, uh, in Jesus' day, in culture, and society, she more than likely had no source of income. And she had few resources, and yet she gave of what she had. 
If God expects everyone to give the same, Jesus could never have made such a point. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, Paul says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God certainly doesn't look at money the way you and I look at money. In fact, as we look at the scriptures, the Bible tells us that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We look at, 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 at the, you know, we look at the outward appearance, what we see on the outside, what the disciples would have seen that day in the temple is people bringing in lots of money. What Jesus was looking at was at the heart, not at the amount. Fallacy number three, and and as I close, number two there, the question is, what is in our heart? If God is looking at it, what is there? Fallacy number three is that God excuses me from giving because I don't have much. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, Paul is writing about the church in Macedonia, and he said, In the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testified that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. When I was a kid, I remember reading a book. And this book really stood out in my mind. The name of the book was called Tortured for His Faith. It was a story of a a pastor in Bulgaria named Harlan Popoff. And Harlan Popoff, one day there was a knock at his door and it was the communist police. And they came into his home and they arrested him and they took him to prison. And for 13 years he was in prison without any charge other than that of being part of the church. He talked about the bugs. The bugs were so bad that you couldn't even sleep in prison. He found out that those bugs were intentionally planted there just to make life more miserable. He talked about the size of the rats. He talked about the beatings. He talked about the torture. He talked about the starvation. And one of the things that stands out in my mind is that in that that, uh, prison, and they would communicate they had a system of communicating where they could communicate and the guards could not tell. They would communicate what they were going to do and the Christians in that prison, and there were many because thousands were arrested in that country for being part of the church, they would tithe a tenth of their starvation rations. They would tithe those rations and set them aside for those who were physically the weakest and needed it the most. That speaks to me so profoundly that even when we feel like we have nothing, in America, we are rich compared to the rest of the world. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had people tell me, Christian people, I can't give because I don't have enough. What they're really telling me is I have no abundance. That's what they're saying. Pastor, I don't have abundance. I'd like to be able to give, but I don't have any abundance. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, I'll read it from the King James. 
honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. It's associated with this proverb that what he's really talking about is the best. Honor the Lord with the best, with the first fruits of what you have, the increase that God has given you. And as long as we give to God off the back end of what we have, we will never be able to give out of abundance. As long as we take care of every other obligation first, we will never be able to give out of abundance. And if we cannot give out of abundance, how do we give with a cheerful spirit? And so today I want to challenge you. God doesn't want you to give out of your want. He wants you to change how you live your life so that you can give out of your abundance. I'll never forget the testimony, John, that you and Laura gave when you talked about right here, you stood right here and you said, we decided that we would give first out of every increase that God ever gave us and it literally changed your lives. It's giving out of the abundance. And then finally, giving to impact. I've had to think about this. From the start of the church, do you realize the church has been giving to impact? Do you realize that? Whether they realize it or not, the church has been giving to impact. We read in Acts chapter 2 that the church literally, they sold what they had. Why? To meet people's needs. They were impacting the lives of others through their giving. You say, Kevin, what what do you mean by giving to impact? Who am I supposed to impact? 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should Do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Barnes says this, that those gifts that Peter talks about, it means in any way that we can contribute to the welfare of others. These gifts can be spiritual gifts or they can be gifts of a much more temporary nature. But when we give, when we use whatever gift God has given us in the strength that God provides us, and here's where the real impact happens, God gets the glory. Are you with me? We're not, we're not giving to, to impact just that person, or we're not giving to impact our own reputation. We are giving to impact God. By giving, God gets the glory. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, what? I will draw all men unto myself. He wasn't just talking about being on the cross. You and I can lift him up. You and I can give him glory. We can give him praise by us giving back to him. We are making an impact for the sake of the kingdom of God. As Peter said, when we do it with the strength that God provides, that God will be praised to him be all glory and power forever and ever. That's something that you and I can do. We can impact those who receive from that gift, but more importantly, we're going to 
make an impact by God receiving the glory. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life in such a way that God receives all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Whether it's through my abilities, whether it's through my serving, whether it's through my resources, I want to give glory to God in my life. Martin Luther, the tremendous reformer who nailed the the 95 Thesis on the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, he said that every Christian needs to have three conversions. We need to have a conversion of spirit. We need to have a conversion of heart. And we need to have a conversion of our purse. Now, I don't carry a purse. But I think he's talking about whatever we carry our resources in. And I believe that God is calling us as the church to make an impact today, to make an impact on the world by using our gifts, by making an impact on the church, by building others up, by making an impact on God, by giving Him glory as we serve Him with the gifts that He has given to us and that He'll be glorified. See, I believe that when we fail to give to others out of the gifts that God has given us, that we're in essence saying, God, we know how to use those gifts better than you do. And that really concerns me because I know that I don't know better than he does. But I want you today to understand that when we say, God, I'm going to give out of the gifts and abilities and talents and resources that you have given me. I'm going to give out of that. The body of Christ is going to be built up. Jesus will be lifted up and God is going to receive all of the glory as a result of that. You and I have had the opportunity to receive the free gift of salvation. I can't imagine anyone within the sound of my voice saying, you know, God, I've received the free gift of salvation. I'm not interested in giving anything back to you. You see, I believe that when we come to Christ, when we accept that gift of salvation, that literally our hearts are God, it's all yours. Everything that I am, Everything that I have. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, Freely you have received, freely give. If that's out of the talents and the abilities, if it's out of the giftings that God has given you, if it's out of the resources that He has blessed you with, freely you have received, freely give. I'm so glad that we can receive that free gift of salvation And I'm so glad that our response can be, God, I want to give it back to you freely. Whatever you desire from me, I want to give it back. Here in a couple months, we're going to have something that we've never done before here at Silver Creek. We're going to call it Serve Week. This is a place for you to use your energies. It's a place for you to use your abilities, your giftings to edify the body, to lift up Jesus in our community, and to glorify God in your own heart, in your own life. Serve Week is going to be a week that on on one end of the week, the back end of the week, we're going to have a Feeding America event here at Silver Creek. 250 families will receive groceries that day. 
I'm excited about it. We've never done it before. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that's well-received in our community. But that's an opportunity that you're going to have to make a direct... I mean, I, th- I think we're going to be able to connect the dots. Jesus tells us how to serve others, and we're going to be there serving people, literally handing them groceries that they will eat that week. Earlier in that week, and throughout the week, we're going to do another roofing project this summer in cooperation with Be The Tool. It's a great opportunity to serve others. Whether you cook a meal for the team, whether you're on the roof pounding nails, whether you're on the cleanup crew, whatever it is, you're going to have an opportunity to serve others with your energies, with your abilities, with your talents, with your giftings. You're going to have an opportunity to serve others. And throughout the week, and I've begun to communicate with our ministry team leaders, our, 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 uh, those that are in leadership here in the church, our ministry coordinators and team leaders. We're going to plan, we're going to plan service projects throughout that week where Jesus can be lifted up in our community, where the church can be edified, and where God will receive all of the glory. And we're going to focus that week. It's, it's in September. It's going to start on September 10th through the 15th. That week is going to be serve week. And we're going to lift up and edify and, and build up. And we're going to encourage. And we're going to come alongside of people. And we're going to serve. But most importantly, God is going to receive all the glory. You say, Pastor, I've never used my gifts or my abilities for Jesus before. This is going to be an opportunity for you that week. There is going to be something for you. You say, Pastor, I've got young kids. There's going to be something for families to do together. You say, Pastor, I I don't know. I'm pretty busy. There's going to be a time, whether, whether it's during the day or in the evening, when you're going to be able to serve. And I believe that God wants to change. He wants to do a change in our lives. I believe that God wants us to do something inside of us that is so significant, that is so life-changing. I I am looking forward to this week in September. I am looking forward to it, and I realize, you know, we're, we're looking at going into a building project, okay? We're looking at building a sanctuary. You, someone might say, you are absolutely crazy. Let me tell you something, friends. We can't stop doing the ministry that God has called us to just because we want to build a new box. Are you with me? Do you get what I'm saying? He is calling us. He is calling us to make a difference. He is calling us to make an impact. He is calling us to give Him glory. He is calling us to lift Jesus higher. And that's what we're going to do. I want you to stand with me. Whether you're in the hub or here in the sanctuary, how many of you God has given you a gift? Okay, that was about half. 50% retention. You know, statistically, they would tell me I should take that and run. (laughs) I don't want to take that. How many of you know that God has given you giftings and abilities to impact the lives of other people? Raise your hands. 
All right, that's, that's better than 50%. That's pretty close to 100. I, I want you to know that I believe He has given you that gifting. I believe that He wants you to use it in Jesus' name. I believe that, that there are others that will see Jesus lifted up in you and they will come to know the Lord. I believe that there are parts of the body of Christ that will be built up and encouraged as you use that gift. I believe that God's going to get the glory, and that excites me more than anything else. That God will receive the glory from you using your gifting. Are you with me? Man, I hope you get where I'm going. You're awful quiet out there. I'm scared spitless when you get quiet. I want you to know that. I want to pray for you today. Father, I pray for the family of believers here at Silver Creek. Those that are here, those that are not able to be here, they might be on vacation, they might be out of town. Maybe they're ill this morning, whatever it is. But Father, I pray for this body of believers in in total that represent this church. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart to serve. I pray that you would give us a heart to give out of the giftings that you have given us. That you would you would put a heart in us to give out of abundance. That you would give us a heart to give for an impact Not just the impact on the person who receives. Not just the impact of the body of Christ being built up. But Lord, the impact of God receiving all the glory. Father, I pray today that you would do a work in us that is so significant, that is so life-changing, that we will not be the same ever again. So, Lord, we put this into your hands. And, Lord, we're going we're gonna to step out in ways that we've never stepped out before. With this Feeding America, Lord, we've never done it before. We're going to step out. Lord, with working with Be The Tool, we don't have a lot of experience in that, but we're going to do it again. Lord, we're stepping out. Father, we pray for the block party coming up in August. Father, we're stepping out. Why? So that you will receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Father, we are simply your hands extended. Lord, we love this community. We love this place. This town, this county, Lord, the upper peninsula, this place where you put us. We want, we want to say we love it. Lord, you put us here and we love being here. And we pray, Lord, that we would make that impact that you call us to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.